This is Han Solo, and you're listening to Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. I don't know. Fly casual. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a new episode of Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast. I, as always, am your host, Alden Diaz, and I am here before the episode um, to address some things and to sort of uh, you know set the table for what you're about to experience um, and hopefully enjoy on some level. This is a special crossover. First and foremost, I want to say that. It's a special crossover with the Nerd Academy podcast, a wonderful network of friends and collaborators. The Nerd Academy, including their Star Wars show, The Knights of the Nerd Republic, we came together to co-produce and co-host this. Uh, myself and Jared Bachman Stubbs, who has been on the podcast before, also known as Jared the Dark Jedi. You know him from Trivia Spaces. You know him from his episodes here. You know him from the wonderful Versus series that they do over there, from different levels of comic book, movie, Star Wars analysis. He's one of my best friends, and I was happy to tackle this with him because Jared has a certain level of expertise a certain level of expertise in the subject matter that we're going to be discussing today. And to put that out there sort of right here on Front Street, right up top, this is going to be not necessarily a fun episode, but an informative one and one representative of a conversation that we've definitely been barreling toward, I think, for, as a fandom for a long time. This is a conversation that we needed to have, and it is about as I've called it here, uh, for my release of these episodes, is The Elephant in the Galaxy, which is the very nice and, I think, um, you know, cute way of saying that we have a shared problem, which is why you'll notice that this episode um, is one of the only ones on the feed that has that little explicit marker on it, uh, not because it's going to get so harsh with language or anything like that, but because there's going to be really mature concepts discussed here. Um, so this is a, you know, this is a formal, we're going to do it again later on in the recording proper, but I want to do one here, formal content slash trigger warning for things like, um, discussions of bigotry, discussions of threats of racial, sexual, uh, and, and violent natures. Um, you know, there's, there's going to be political topics that get brought up here by the sheer virtue of what this is. So I want everyone to be aware of that. Uh, while we go in, this is still a Star Wars conversation, and it is still relevant to what we do here, but this is an analysis of how this alt-right infiltration and weaponization and appropriation and corruption in fandom spaces happened, how we got here, where we're going, what the key events were, how it goes all the way back to things like prequel hate, even before that in the late 90s with special edition hate, um, how we've had fandom projects and incidents that have led us to this point. So we wanted to discuss all that, discuss why we're here, because both Jared and myself and many of our friends are at the point with this issue where we feel like the fandom menace and and offshoots and subgroups of them and other alt-right uh, nerd movements, be that uh, Gamergate, Comicsgate, uh, both of which we discuss in this, uh, and everything like them. You know, Lord of the Rings, Rings of Power backlash that we're seeing now from those trolls online, 
being blatantly bigoted. All of this stuff needs to be discussed and needs to be unpacked and it needs to be exposed. And it's not to say that we have the solutions. It's not to say that we have um, some, some perspective that's about to change the world or that's about to solve this problem. But we are saying that saying just ignore them does not work. Saying this fandom needs to do better does not work because that's an empty statement. It comes from a really good place and we understand it, but it's been empty. It hasn't changed anything and they continue to win. There's a successful cottage industry here that we discuss. There's a connection between the the YouTube grift and what's happening in terms of these alt-right spaces that we discussed. There's that pipeline here. And so far, just hanging out and saying, that's bad, that's crazy, ignore it. Or letting them walk all over people and not standing up when we could, not using whatever small platforms we do have when we could, um, has been largely ineffective. And, you know, I want to get right up top and say that we understand that some people might perceive this as, you know, trying to make the conversation about us. We understand that. Um, I make no money from these shows. This is not my job. It's an offshoot of something that I do professionally. I am a professional broadcaster, and I'm able to do something like this because of those skills and everything like that. But I don't. this is not my job. This is not a clout thing. I don't make money off of this. You've never heard an advertiser on Oxford Radio, and for the you know the near future, I don't have plans for that. I haven't. You know, I don't think you will. At least not anytime soon. Uh, this is purely an ideological dissection. Um, we're gonna share it on social media, and that's that. We have no stake in this, but we acknowledge that Jared, as a white guy, and then me as a white passing cishet guy, uh, there are, th- you know, there are advantages to that in terms of privilege. We are privileged. And privileged people need to be the ones talking about it. People that will not be targeted by them need to be the ones talking about it. And that's sort of where we were coming down on with this project. So it is a two-parter. In the first part, we're going to be reflecting on the backlash of the special editions and the prequel trilogy and how that created an entitlement, created a mentality, created a culture, created a darkness embedded in the fabric of what we do here in fandom how it got way beyond film discussions and became something way more toxic and way more indicative of a problem than anyone could have imagined. And that's part one. Then we're going to move over to part two, um, which, you know, some of you will find that both parts are already out. If you're listening to this as it comes out, it's only going to be a day or two in between. Uh, Part two is going to be about the, you know, the formal Gamergate movements, the actual formation of some of these hate groups where we're going from here, where we sort of are now. So it's going to be a pretty big comprehensive history. And again, I want to thank Jared, uh, again, Jared Bachman Stubbs, Jared the Dark Jedi from Nerd Academy, because he is somebody that in a lot, in in the ways that a lot of people become experts in, you know, they, they become murderinos or they love natural disasters or they like knowing about different types of dangerous things. Jared, has been somebody that said there's something to learn here there's something to analyze here we can look at this there's there's data there's stories there's narratives there's things that we need to unpack here to really understand what's happening to this thing that we all love because it's a thing that we all love and that's why that's why we should be defending it that's why we should want to see it actually purge some of these uh, pervasive uh, evils frankly so again, uh, putting that warning up, there's going to be some intense stuff talked about here. The episodes are not without laughs. 
they're not without you know the vibe of friendship and again we are still trying to put it through that star wars lens but this is a real life conversation this is the conversation that we needed to have and we both wanted to dedicate time on the shows to talk about them because these battles start on shows with people irresponsibly using their platforms and so there is i we think value to using shows to actually unpack them in a positive way so thank you so much for being here thank you for listening look forward to hearing from you about what you thought of the episodes and uh hope you enjoy so without further ado i'm going to throw it to us in the past to actually have this conversation thanks so much Hello, everyone, and welcome once again to a special presentation of both Octo Radio, a Star Wars podcast, and the Nerd Academy Podcast Network. Now, if you heard Jared's wonderful intro up top or my intro up top, either way, either edition of this that you are consuming uh, on either of the podcast feeds, because it is a crossover, I would like to once again reiterate that it is going to be a little bit different. We both said that and we both illustrated that for you uh but through the magic of editing that's in the future this is in the past (laughs) uh so uh, i'm saying now today on the day of creation of this project that it is going to be different from what you expect from both of ours uh different in the sense of that i'm i for my purposes not interviewing a subject so much as i am unpacking uh, a grand topic with somebody that is uh, so well learned in the field and then not to speak for jared but for jared's purposes it's unusual because he's sharing the mic with somebody whereas he's the main usually you know his main host and so there's a little bit of a tag team effort going on here so whether or not you heard uh, the opening intro uh, with sunday's bloody mary's or if you heard uh, my opening intro uh, with our music whatever it, it is the content is going to be the same from this point in. I want to reiterate um, the content warnings that we've both said up top in whatever verbiage we did them. Uh, yeah. There's going to be topics in this that are not just ideologically uncomfortable, but by the extension of what those ideologies are, include things um, that are sexually graphic in nature, uh, you know, content and trigger warnings for uh, assault threats um, for online language that is just horribly abusive. Um, and just bigotry is a grand concept. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A bigotry on all on all levels, um, misogyny on all levels, homophobia on all levels. Um, in terms of what we're going to be unpacking, um, I do want to throw it to you right up top, Jared, and address sort of the uh, approach on a pushing this out level because, of course we're doing this because we want to explore it but we're also getting clicks and listens for our stuff off of it so i want to put that out there too in the sense of i don't know what jared's gonna title his he doesn't know what i'm gonna title mine because we haven't decided yet um but i want to start this by saying we're not gonna be adding people we're not gonna be uh, going after specific people, you all know. If you listen in this space, you know what's up. We're talking about concepts, ideas, how we got here. Uh, and that's because, frankly, neither of us, I think, want to get into the bad faith discussion of, are you giving them a platform? Because that's bad, too. Uh, and Jared, you can speak to that. How do we have these conversations? Why we need to have these conversations um, amidst 
a climate that frankly can be kind of cruel to the people that are just trying to unpack it. Yeah. I think that, um, we, the desire to not want to give, uh, certain figures a platform is, uh, is noble, uh, at its core. And I understand the desire not to want to give voice to bad faith actors. Mm -hmm. Uh, however, there does come a point where you have to talk about them to, uh, discuss the problem and the problem is that star wars fandom is a breeding ground for the alt-right and is very specifically well postured um to be invaded by those forces and by people who have the intent of recruiting individuals to the alt-right uh, i do want to say actually um I don't want to ape their work for the sake of this uh, article, article, but um, this discussion in this podcast. Uh, but the Salon.com article by Melanie McFarlane that came out last week uh, was, in my opinion, groundbreaking. I, 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 was, I was on my way to see Lightyear, and uh, Twitter started you know, buzzing a bit in my pocket. I looked at my phone and I saw I, I saw something say, you know, Salon isn't exactly mainstream, mainstream, but, you know, on that it, it's it's more mainstream than more like nerd based outlets like a comic book dot com or something like that. Exactly. Uh, yeah. That in big capital letters said the fandom menace. And it makes me very happy that work like this is out there. Um, it also makes me happy uh, in a very, you know the people who are uh, under attack getting to speak uh, and it being a woman behind the keyboard on that uh, because one of the largest targets of the fandom menace Gamergate type movements typically are for the most part women uh, or their arguments and beliefs are at their core rooted in misogyny and sexism in such a way that maybe even the people saying what they're saying don't realize what they're saying. That's not as an excuse, of course, just to, uh, drive home how complex this is and how often um, don't make my nerdy thing political uh, is one of the most political statements you can ever utter in your life mm -hmm. uh, because of all of the things that you inherently have to assume are or are not political. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is very important to unpack. And I think that um, again, for the, for the people listening or watching, who are not uh, terminally online like you or I, or for people who are not uh, familiar with the ways that extremism has, the, the metamorphosis that it's gone through in the online era, um, how it has become so incredibly prolific and how geek culture, nerd culture, fandom culture, gaming culture, whatever you want to call it, uh, whatever thing where like weirdos like to dress up and go watch or play things um, like you or I has become weaponized. Uh, it's, it's not talked about. There are, you know, for me personally, I, you know, it's no secret. I'm a big fan of the work of Robert Evans. I'm a big fan of the work of knowledge fight um, innuendo studios. A lot of people, QAnon anonymous. I follow a lot of people who follow the crazies mm -hmm. on behalf of normal people all of that in quotes um, yeah. and extremist movements. And 
because I'm also so deeply rooted in fandom culture uh, and I'm also incredibly politically active, I can't not see these like very big concentric circles where, you know, the fandom menace is overlapping with like actual alt-right movements. Um, And that much to my disappointment, a lot of those, those outfits, your QAAs, uh, knowledge right, et cetera, have not called attention to these groups and movements. Um, you know, for example, like the, the entirety of the fandom menace basically got to uh, have a party one night with Alex Jones about a year ago. And uh, everybody went, don't look at it. Don't talk about it uh, because this isn't worth talking about. And that deeply upset me because oh, so much wild so many wild, wild things were said that night and we all just pretended it didn't pretended it didn't happen because it's the crazy gay frogs guy talking with, you know, the guy who's upset about She-Ra's bust. Mm-hmm. Clearly this isn't worth discussing when it is. It's right. very much worth discussing right. because the people who are tuning in to those individuals to hear them complain about space wizards are now hearing about like anti-Semitic conspiracy theories about Kabbalah and child sacrifice pedophilia. Right. And that's not (laughs) to cut you off, but that's where that's sort of the genesis of this is that there was a point, some point in the last month and it it was several things, but there was, you know, a little bit of a, of a discussion. There's been a little bit of, of, blowback against people some of whom we're friends with where they'll call out x and then uh, a different party will say exactly what you're describing in terms of well don't give it a platform that's not not that's just as bad but there's sort of a uh you know i I think that some have embraced the when they go low we go high almost in the wrong ways um i agree and in terms of a way that allows something to fester like there there there's a reason why some of the oldest like oldest adages in in culture involve like chopping off the fish's head you know like you have to sort of at a certain point stand and that's sort of what the work we are talking about in these fandoms whether that's star wars whether that's marvel dc anything huge star trek which uh has now come under fire from fox directly recently uh there is a certain disconnect there. And it was something that, you know, we talked off air and that's why we're here is that I knew that you had this knowledge base of how in the same way that people become experts on, uh, you know, serial killers or on uh, natural disasters or anything like that. You are the person I know that has sort of the can, you know, turn on the PowerPoint and be like, so this is how we got here. And I thought it was so important to unpack it in a way that wasn't, we're not getting into anybody's mentions and saying, let's have a scrap. Sometimes I would argue that's necessary. Other times we could take it on different ways. That's the thing. It's all situational. But yeah. to really unpack how we got here in phases, phases of which you know you and I have talked about that we have for you listeners and viewers today. Um, it was important, I think, to, to unpack this in a way that was... Um, ideological and to and to say frankly that like you said ignoring it comes from a noble place and i understand you don't want to dignify ridiculousness which is the shield that someone like an alex jones hides behind um and why an event like the event you're referring to got ignored is because it's easy to not dignify 
ridiculousness. But like you and I've talked about even early in our friendship, I remember one of the first conversations we had about this topic where we realized that we agreed on it and could unpack it is that it's really easy to say that hate groups like the Phantom Menace or, or the ridiculous, you know, frogs are turning gay, uh, conspiracy alien people are so fringe that they don't matter. But the problem is that when it, it, it starts with something as easy to not dignify as Ray's Mary Sue, right? Just as a, as a common early modern era buzz term. Um, that was an, that was an early around the time that woke started to bubble. Mary Sue started to bubble. And that was one that they all latched onto. It should be noted uh, just for those playing at home, popularized by someone who was then outed as a predator. Uh, just throwing that out there. Uh, a predator, a misogynist and an abuser of women uh, happened to have pushed that out there. Am I drawing a line between everyone that's ever said it in that? No, of course not. But just for those playing at home, let's consider our sources. Um, the, whole idea of that can be easily pushed back on, you know, you, me, all of our friends, everyone that we love in this space, we can all dunk on and destroy that idea very quickly. But there's some kid out there that saw that tweet or that YouTube video or that whatever, that blog and has now pondered it and doesn't have anybody around him explaining ideas. And I say him because frankly, you know, there's a, yeah, it's, it's, it's not, it's not, it's not holistic. It's not a. It's not a fact that these are men. But like, if we're being realistic about this, it's the cis heteronormative white archetype that these is group, at the these center of this. Target, these groups yeah. target demographics. Demographics is one of the most important things. Yeah, uh, to entirely these groups. intentional. And like you said, you know, and, and that's another thing with the far right misinformation sphere is the way that, like, there is a purification effect that happens Mm -hmm. where like you will you will start with a like wild bombastic idea that gets channeled that you know gets like pushed through like the chan boards that gets pushed onto the internet that gets you know synthesized through like a newsmax and an oan that makes its way into the mainstream of the fox news exactly you see like we're like like these ideas get you know kind of like Okay, we need to calm this down. We need to calm this down. You know, there's there, again, it's 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 the and I'm going to cite him multiple times and in, encourage all of you, uh, if you have any interest and want to have more of a comprehensive understanding, uh, the YouTube channel Innuendo Studios, highly recommend. Uh, he has a playlist called the Alt Right Playbook where he deconstructs and explains a lot of the um, uh, rhetorical strategy of the alt right. Uh, in all of its forms you can and it's it's one of those things where when you watch this you will at one point go oh yes this sounds very trumpian this sounds very you know i i've i've seen and heard all the debates and all these tactics and then you also realize like there are entire pieces of content made by fandom menace thought leaders that are built on these very ideas so one of his you know explainers talking about like the ship like the ship of theseus idea that you know kind of like we're gonna like we're going to take this idea down to its barest bones and then put this out in front of you. Um, is it the same idea or is it not? That's a different conversation, but there's this synthesis, the, the, the synthesis of like far right ideas. And again, yeah. like the whole Ray is a Mary Sue thing, you know, you not, not to like start like debunking the straw man that is that dumb opinion, but like 
why don't you think that about Luke and Anakin? Why don't sure, you think that exactly. about such and such? We're like, and that's yeah, the thing is that those arguments that you and I can make against it, that theoretical kid who's very not theoretical in a lot of cases and yeah. very quite literal, um, he hears that and then the algorithm puts a slightly more unhinged thing in his suggestions. And then he thinks, well, if that is that, and if X is Y, then this and this. And then before you realize it, it's no longer about fiction and powers. Uh, yeah. Before that kid even realizes it. And that's how it works. And that's something that is so key uh, to unpack here because you know the Overton window is constantly shifting in terms of what we accept you know at, at, at a certain point and we'll talk about this when we get into the the gates movements whether that's game gamer gate or and then comics gate it's younger cousin um really not that much younger came sort of right after um but it, it starts with the well we just want to we just want uh whether what was their big line uh, ethics, ethics and, and gaming, gaming journalism, journalism. Yeah. Yeah, if it was ethics and gaming journalism, or if, if you shaved or, five years off my life, but yeah, yeah, I know. Oh yeah, we're we're just gonna be husks by the end of this episode. <laughs> this is actually our public death. Um, but then, uh, <laughs> an other, and then there's so there's that big line. But then any version of uh, well, I I just want to respect the lore. I'm not saying anything. It's just that there weren't black dwarves in the appendices. That's all I'm saying. It's not about all of that becomes the slipperiest of slopes. So that's a lot of what we're going to be unpacking today. And so I asked Jared, it started with a, will you come on Octo so I can pick your brain about this? And then Jared, I realized, I, I should have known this because like I know him and like I know he's a theater kid. I know he's a big nerd. I know he's a reader. I know all these things. And all these things that should have told me he was going to overachieve. And then he was like, so I've been doing research and I was thinking we could do a two-part crossover. And I was like, <laughs> hell yeah, let's do it. Uh, I, was I, love like, it. I was like well i was like okay i was like this is a really cool idea we can do it because like you had just come off of like being sick from covid and i yeah. got locked up in a covid scare of my own yeah um, where i like just wasn't at work for three days in a row while we were still pondering this and i was like well to like really unpack the fandom menace you really need to understand gamergate and how that set the stage and i'm like and i'm like while i'm doing the gamergate stuff i'm like wow like if you really like map this onto like the backlash of the prequels like this kind of like that and i then we i ended up yeah. like okay i need to talk to you because this is going to be too big <laughs> mm-hmm. and it is too big and that's the point like you can't have a conversation like this and like if your intention is to truly unpack it you cannot strip it down to just thing bad bad takes look at this bozo like you can there's, there's nothing inherently wrong with that but a more comprehensive discussion to like really do the you know like how i've kind of like titled it in some of my notes the, the fandom menace and how we got here yeah. um of it all to be like this is how we got here this is why star wars as a fandom as like a a subculture of the world primed itself to be invaded by these people and to as you've described it and i've i've stolen this from you so if anyone ever hears me say this i stole it from jared uh to be a successful cottage industry which they are to be definitively monetarily uh in terms of viewership and uh, slash ratings however you want to word that for the internet uh victorious they are winning um in terms of what in, in terms of the game they've set 
I'm not saying, of course, that they're winning uh, ideologically or culturally. Everyone yeah. listening to this knows that in good faith. Um, but in terms of what they want, sponsorships, ads, I mean, I've seen some of the numbers. I can't reveal certain sources, but I've, I've heard things. I know some people that work for some some you know marketing companies that can sort of get that data and things. And a lot of these people, millionaires. Like, it's it's taken off. And to them, that's all they need. You know, it's it's the next day. It's the next grift. So where does that leave us? Yeah, and that's and that's another big thing is that talking about the like grifter sphere is kind of its own conversation. But like yeah. you can talk about, you know, such and such publicly claims to hate this movie and built his career on it, but privately has talked about how much they love it. Like that is kind of as much as I like to pick fights with some of these individuals publicly, um, is not the point right now. If we're talking about the broader movement. And, yeah. like, we might get into specifics of of certain individuals just to cite examples. But, like, this is not meant to be, like, a specific takedown of any one figurehead. It's the yes. movement and how it metastasized. Yep, 100%. 100%. So that that's extremely important, too. And, again, that's, I think, is part of it where it can be satisfying to, to do what you call, like, Twitter vigilante antics, which I support. Um, of like adding somebody, this whole thing is not an at of any one thing. It's if yeah. anything is an ideological at. It's an ideological thread. You know, we're, we have we have to pick this apart because people, I think, get and rightfully so. Again, in the same way that you pointed out the nobility of not wanting to to fight it, I we get it. I also get the fear because yeah. you say one thing about X user, and all of their reply guys will search their name. And then it becomes yeah. you getting attacked at very war, even doxed, harassed. Um, so I completely get it, which is why yeah, also there's, there's an of element there's... of us using our privilege here too. Exactly. In terms of being uh, white, white or white passing guys. Um, that's, that's a, the huge element we should address here too, which exactly. is like we, we have a pass here that other people don't have. Exactly. It, it is so much more dangerous uh, and risky for certain people to try to pick these fights. And I do not begrudge anybody that decision at all. It can't, it, 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 again, simply put, it, it can be dangerous. And yeah, I, I like we said, we, we understand the people who don't want to um, run headlong into something like this because it is, it is fraught. And to pretend it isn't is also kind of pig headed in its own way. So, yep. Yeah, um, I think we've uh, set the groundwork enough yeah, here. Absolutely. So for those of you that have listened to either of our shows, um, again, this is going to break from format a little, but it will still have somewhat of an interview element if, from me to Jared, but more so in the sense of uh, I, I compare this off air to I'm going to be a museum tour guide and Jared's going to be the curator. I'm yeah. going to walk you through this. And Jared's going to stop and really be able to tell you why the piece is in the museum, what it actually has to do with the whole, how we've decided to lay this out. And we talked about these phases. And in a conversation last night, or at the time of this recording last night, we decided that and it, it does sort of lend itself to a progression because we have these three core sections. And it ended up working out that we both agreed that the oldest should come first. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, like you yeah. said, you you doing the like you're still doing your interview segment, and in the same way that I like 
pretended to be knowledge fight to talk about the Friday night tight stream. This is basically my best attempt at a behind the bastards for those of you who are familiar with my work and um, my, and the people I follow. Right. So, right. So pretend I'm Robert Evans. I'm not that funny or handsome, but pretend I'm Robert. Yes, you, you are so that handsome. Uh, (laughs) The, the, the picture we're looking at here is a picture of 20 give or take years. 20 to 25 take me back now to and you're coming off of viewings of many things one of which is something like people versus george lucas which has to do with the 1997 to 2005 star wars fandom of special editions up through prequels um of course again a lot of this is going to be star wars as the uh, backdrop the, the wallpaper and backdrop yeah but of course apply this to anything that you love in the nerd space Take me back to this first phase, prequel era hate, and how early internet helped us get to this place. So, yeah, I mean, and, you know, for people who are not super familiar with these, like, weird, extreme online communities and how they mutate and all of that stuff, I I think this is a good um, transition piece because I don't think there's a – I mean, that's not true. There are Star Wars fans who – via not being around for it or by virtue of revisionist history uh want to disavow and almost uh disown the nightmare that was post prequel star wars Mm. but because so many of us are familiar with this era people our age grew up with people that we love not necessarily maliciously but just in the i don't like this movie way kind of you know taking a dump on your your parents your aunts and uncles your older siblings your friends how many times did you hear that jared growing up like yeah there's six of them but only half of them are good like those those three suck we have the good ones when i finished kenobi with my dad my dad kind of was like oh yeah there's hayden yay you know we're like i agree with him no of course not i love hayden christensen and i you know and, and he and i had a conversation about that where he was like, yeah, I didn't like his performance. I said, that's fine. You know, like it's, and that's another thing that's going to be important here. Criticism of a thing and like the extreme, I'm going to attack people over liking the thing. Yes. Very different. Very different. I don't care Mm -hmm. if you don't like a movie. What I care about is if you attack the people who made it in like a very pointedly Mm -hmm. um, prejudiced way. And that's what good faith and bad faith means. Those are both phrases that get thrown around a lot. And not that there's a set definition in terms of fandom. I mean, there there are, of course, definitions that you can look up. But when somebody is complaining, are they complaining because they want to have a conversation? Or are they complaining because they have an agenda that begins and ends at the impact of that complaint? That's bad faith. If somebody says something about... Uh, again, like a big example for me lately has been the Rings of Power stuff. So if somebody says the, oh, well, you know, I didn't like that dwarf character because, well, in, in the appendices, like, it just, th- that's not what the dwarves look like. Like, that's bad faith and we know this. And as adults, we need to come to a consensus of, like, really understanding that it's okay to point stuff out and say that, yeah, that's not legitimate. If you talk about character arcs, if you talk about performance, if you talk about the craft of acting, if you talk about... Uh, production design, costume, music, any of the things that contribute to art. Let's have all the conversations about that because that's what makes a fandom. But in the same way that we should all, like you ever have that conversation with a parent or any older person in your life where you're like, you know, mom, like 
this such and such coworker who's in their forties, like they said something so problematic or whatever, blah, blah, blah. And then that whole generation that was raised on don't talk about politics and religion at the dinner table, they, they hit you with, but that's what they believe. And you know, they, they that, that that's what they believe that has inadvertently bred the ability for bad faith to skirt in at all times, yeah. because we have decided that, just because somebody has a belief that that belief is valid. We, we, we have to fall back on the paradox of intolerance. You are allowed to be intolerant of intolerance, even though that's paradoxical. Uh, you have to be able to say you are entitled to that opinion. It is harmful and it is garbage. You're allowed yeah. to have all of that. I, I would die for the right for free speech. I think not having it is so dangerous. I also think that hate speech should be prosecuted and some people need to be knocked out for what they say. I mean, yeah, and again, I, it's, it's something I've always said. You know, free speech does not entitle you to not also have somebody use their free speech uh, to come down on you like a, you know, stack of bricks mm-hmm. rhetorically because, you know, so often those kinds of beliefs are inherently flawed internally. Um, but uh, that's fascism for you sometimes. Uh that's the point of fascism as an ideology something we can't unpack right now but yeah so the uh i mean and one of the main and again like the big thing i watch was the people versus george lucas um because it was one of those like you know i lived this era i don't feel like i need a whole lot of research uh but i've but you know the people versus george lucas is kind of this like immortalized tome of so much of the like of, of of the hate against the prequel trilogy uh, and like discussions about it and like the fan entitlement and the conversations that like start basically with the special editions and yeah. how the, 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 the conversations about how, you know, Lucas, Lucas hates us. We're happy. He's, he's, ta- he's taking away our thing. And that I, I was so shocked to basically hear that, that they're taking it away from us by changing it. Um, and that's the you know death of the author does it belong to the people that consume it does it belong to the person that created it does it belong to both once it exists in the zeitgeist and not to cut you off again but but just to preface again on on this documentary um i would would i recommend it like as a piece no but do what i recommend it as like potentially educational watching from the point of view of what we're doing i would um and in the sense that People versus George Lucas is an early example that you can you can track from something like it. This mentality of we're not trying to hate or be abusive toward George. We're just talking about insert idea. We're just talking about preservation of art. We're just talking about respect for story. We're just talking about anything that they put forth as their thesis, but then their behavior completely torched and destroyed. There's a direct line between that and stuff we'll talk about later of the yeah. thesis gets lost so easily. Oh, well, it's that and like the language that's used. Like mm-hmm. again, the and again the the Star Wars fandom has an issue with entitlement. Mm-hmm. There is an there is an expectation, an undue expectation of the fan of Star Wars to get this like very specific version given to them every time and i understand that everybody's star wars and how they experience it and live it is different star wars is the ultimate you get what you get out of it what you put into it you know i like 
some people come for like the you know archetypal myth and the you know the the the, the metaphors stretched out across the story some people come you know for lightsaber go burr you know mm-hmm. Everybody's here for something different. Some people come here for this like vast alternative history. You know, I myself am somebody who's like kind of like a little bit of column A, a little bit of column B when it comes to that kind of thing with like what I want from my Star Wars. But here, you know, and like I and I pulled a couple choice quotes, you know, where again, heads up, this is where stuff gets really bombastically gross. Um, Yeah. We're talking about the special editions, talking about the changes they made. They dedicate almost like an entire like seven minute block just to people arguing about the who shot first thing, mm-hmm. you know. And it's it's, it's this minutia, it's it's the nitpicking, um, and the hatred of change and the hatred of difference. Yeah, earmark that, uh, and then you arrive at quotes like, "It's almost like a Holocaust denier, but it's a Star Wars denier. The thing it never happened, it never existed." That's at about the thirty minute mark. Of the yeah. people versus George I remember Lucas. that so distinctly. We're like, you're like, saying you're saying things, and uh, you introduced this section, and the quotes started flooding back to me. That one, the one about I don't know what you have, but the one about destroying story. Um, again, I want again graphic language uh, or, or uncomfortable at the very least. Um, the one who I don't know if it's in this section, but George Lucas uh, fingered my adolescent youth. Um, just a lot of just like. There's a that is the things. again. I know we've put the content warnings up. I'm just going to reiterate yeah. it because it's coming. The like that what you're referring to is the um where they they like they they, they close the documentary with George Lucas rape my childhood. Yeah, and like the discussion of like that thing's very existence and like a bunch of people laughing about it and then this like one guy going, well, George Lucas didn't rape my childhood. I would say that like my childhood kind of like was seduced by George and like like consensually agreed to and then it's like we're we're, we're and again i i'm i'm, I'm not going to give very many it was a different time type no. you know excuses here and like i'm not i'm not going to cover ass for this documentary it came out in 2011 i think that like there's sure. enough of a you know I, I think it is culturally aware enough to go it's maybe. very post it's very like the height of family guy post yeah. the indiana jones south park gag gag if you can even call it a gag uh but it's definitely like guys that are realizing they're turning 40 and are trying to hold on to the edge of the 90s it leaps it it just that looms over the entire thing you're absolutely right and that comes up multiple or not multiple times like it 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 kind of segues into the george lucas right my childhood thing but continue Um, on with your with your selections yeah but yeah no again these are one of those things that like we we all live through all of this you know, and what I want to call attention to is the language things, you know, like the like the toxic nostalgia of George Lucas rape my childhood mm-hmm. or um, another quote that's like, again, towards the end at about hour and 15 hour and 16 minutes to uh, the the to be more into a thing than the last person. This is in like nerd just with regards to nerd, nerd culture to be yeah. more into the thing than the last person. A nerd has to hate it. That's how you know that they love it. Uh, we're like we're we're <laughs> the terms we're agreeing to like like that's what the Star Wars fandom has decided it's going to be a group yeah. of people who love a franchise love a franchise so much that they have dedicated half of their personality half of their time talking about it to in the most bombastic and uncomfortable way 
yep. railing against half of its existence. And we've we've heard that memed, and sometimes like it's like laugh through the pain, everyone laugh through the pain. Like you'll see it even said lovingly, like no one hates Star Wars like Star Wars fans, and we all laugh. But the ideological bankruptcy, the moral bankruptcy that comes from accepting that is not only toxic, it's weirdly Stockholmy. It's it's frankly kind of disturbing. You tie that quote in with the George Lucas poetry slam that they show footage of oh. uh, earlier in the doc. And it's like, what is... Ha- you're, you're having an actual event where you are taking poetry, a form of expression, and bastardizing it to express that you think that somebody who made the art you love bastardized that art. It is the most cyclical, weird, culty thing. Uh, it's just a, the epitome of, of strange behavior. And it, it's so bizarre. And, like, there's one guy who worked for Lucasfilm that they have in the documentary who, you know, not – I love. He's my favorite part of the documentary because every so often they'll cut to him. And he just has this very, like, boom, 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 like, yeah. rhetorical style. Where he's like, what do you mean George Lucas hates you guys? Look at all that he's done for you. Like he's talking about, he's, he's like, oh, oh, he hates the fans. He hates the fans. He lets you re-edit his stuff all the time. He lets him make fan films. He has a competition for you to make fan films. He has his sound effects readily available on the internet for you to yep. use in your little fan films. Get mm-hmm. out of here. He's my favorite guy in the whole documentary. It's the best because it's true. Nobody yeah. was as in, and talk about, you know, you talk about revisionist history. I, I say, I say two things all the time. One, nobody that lived through prequel hate should be saying Jack about anything that comes out now aggressively. Um, I'm not yeah. saying don't have an opinion. Uh, what I am saying is anyone that's in their twenties, that dogs on the sequels forgot where they came from. One, the words fake fan should not leave your oh, lips. If no. you grew up on the prequel trilogy, N- never, never you, you learn nothing from the wars that we lived through. And then two, uh, George Lucas revisionist history like I've, like I've said, the greatest thing that will ever happen to Kathleen Kennedy in terms of her Star Wars run is when she retires. Because whoever comes in next will will garner all the heat, and then Kathy will become a misunderstood genius that we always loved. Uh, and and for the record, you're, ta- you're listening to two Kathleen Kennedy fans who love the modern era. Yes. But in the same way that George, like, it's always, we live in a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately society. And George Lucas selling mythologized him as the old creator and but and it, 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 that mythology that mythologizing has allowed us to bury this behavior and it is such a horrid shame that it ever happened to the man who was as that Lucasfilm employee conveyed more in on the joke than anyone you, James Cameron would never let you make fun of him the way that George Lucas did Steven Spielberg Maybe a little bit more than James Cameron, but still not as much as George Lucas. Well, like one of the, George one Lucas of... encouraged Seth MacFarlane. He encouraged Seth Green. He encouraged these guys to go and make Blue Harvest Robot Chicken. Like he thought that was so funny. Well, the, not even that. Like the uh, the the one guy in the documentary with Attack of the Clones who calls attention to the moment where like they're walking away and Jar Jar smiles down the barrel of the camera at the audience. Yeah, like. Who, like, who thought that, like, like, yeah, George is in on the joke. He knows how much y'all hate him. The he working title for George. Attack of the Clones was Jar Jar's Great Adventure. Yeah, absolutely. Like, 
and like and speaking of Jar Jar, like not only is this kind of hate lob that George Lucas, his documentary was centered on it, we know what they did to Ahmed Best. Ahmed Best almost killed himself because of this horrible, toxic, abusive behavior. And it was because of the movie. Like that is what we like and the I get frustrated at the the prequel hate and the sequel hate are the same thing opinion on the surface level yes there is that same level of people going ballistic over space wizards and telling people to harm themselves and bullying people out of the public sphere over space wizards sure the core issue has evolved into something Mm -hmm. more based in bigotry and what's important about the prequel era hate is things like the Ahmed Best and Jake Lloyd situations and Hayden Christensen, mm-hmm. where you have people who are so forced out of their space just on the spec of, I don't like your movie. I hate this yep. movie. I hate this character. I don't like little Anakin. I think he's annoying. I don't like Hayden as Anakin. He's a bad actor. I don't like Jar Jar Binks. He's for kids, which again is one of the most mind boggling things ever, you know, yep. but yeah, you have these three actors who are like the face of the who are the three victims of the prequel hate. Um, Ahmed Best, pretty much forced out of acting, almost killed himself. Jake Lloyd, bullied out of acting, bullied through school, and the, all of the psychological harm uh, that is done to an individual that threw him in, onto hard times because he was one of the only I can think of child stars who like destabilized not because they were so indulged by like oh hollywood glitz and all of that because he was like the first real victim of like a campaign of cyberbullying mm-hmm. and real life bullying because they didn't like the child in a children's movie yep and then hayden christensen who is made fun of to high heaven for his performance and again this is where like the revisionist history becomes an issue that we talk about prequel memes and all of that stuff. So many of those prequel memes exist because it's people saying, Oh, look how bad this movie is. Look how yeah. horribly written this film is. The fans reclaimed those, but that doesn't mean that their origins, like you see it all the time, especially in the wake of Obi-Wan Kenobi, whether that's prequel memes of like, now when you post a, this is where the fun begins. It's from a place of love. The people that got on the internet and clipped it out, did not make it from a place of love. The this is outrageous. It's unfair. Any Anakin thing, any any prequel thing, um, in the wake of Obi Wan Kenobi, and I love these posts. I think they're great. I love the spirit when people say, "So glad to see him have this moment because I always loved him." It's like, yes. How old are you? That person will probably answer somewhere between twenty one and twenty nine, and it's like, yeah, of course you did, because you were supposed to, um, but the reclaiming happened because we got older, but it doesn't erase the origins. It doesn't erase the people that, I mean, even people that have nothing but love for Star Wars in their hearts, like John Favreau have admitted to like, it took, it, it takes work for them to come around on these. And they're the best examples. The worst examples are still out there and they're making decisions. They're making content. Uh, they're either part of the grift or they've gone completely off the deep end. Well, yeah. And, like what you were saying, and again, it's that revisionist history, it's that hypocrisy, and it is 
again, to kind of skip to the end here, kind of like behaviors that prime the, I'm not going to use the term toxic. I'm going to say negative Star Wars fan, the negative Star Wars fan, a fan of Star Wars who spends more time talking about the things they dislike than like being excited about Star Wars. Right. The way that some of those fans kind of prime themselves to be taken advantage of by the far right, by, by like fascist recruiters to like be, to pull them all the way down the pipeline. And we'll discuss like the actual like entomology of like the alt-right pipeline and what that means. But that like glossy eyed, like desire for and nostalgia for an era that didn't really exist is one of like the core like needs for fascist ideology to like thrive and again, yes. I know it sounds wild to talk about, you know, revisionist history with like how much people actually liked a movie or an actor and yeah. fascism. But like, that's what I'm talking about. That like we as a fandom have a really weird problem where we're primed for it. And you have so many people, some of them really prominent content creators who will talk about how much they love Hayden, wanted Hayden back, wanted Hayden to do all these things. Like we got Hayden Obi Wan, we're gonna get Hayden and Ahsoka. I want this, I want that, I want to maximize the amount of time I see Hayden Christensen as Anakin freaking Skywalker are the same people who will say some of the most horrendous things about the secret trilogy. Yeah. Like yeah. I the 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 conversations and again it was because I was around people who were like old enough to have like opinions I don't agree with about the prequels then and as an adult you know the conversations i heard among you know my uncles and my dad about like why they don't like anakin and him being whiny and him being all these things and like whatever immediately the sequels come out i hear people my age at lunch because the force awakens came out while i was a junior in high school i immediately hear the same things being said about kylo ren and these are all people who ride or die for the for the prequel trilogy and I'm just, and I'm just racking my brain. I'm like, y'all complain all the there's time. No, about- there's no object permanence of their own thoughts and actions. If you yeah. can apply object permanence to to ideas and to feelings, the there's uh it's it's for me, not for thee. It's all those those easy encapsulations. But like you said, uh, and I'm fascinated and horrified by the idea that these movements are built on nostalgia for times that never existed. They remember a false 1997 to 2005 where everyone was happy about the return of Star Wars. Yeah. Not. Everyone was not in the same way that there was never the idyllic American fifties. There was not some idyllic American late nineties, early two thousands pop culturally. Um, And we sell a lie and and very 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 few people own up to any of it like you will find like i will give a shout out to jennifer lambda from force center who is one of the only people that knows that they contributed to prequel hate that owns it has atoned for it says it was uncool and has like completely moved on from it like yeah, I mean, I I even say, because, like, I had my, like, you know, like, I, one of the funniest things, I, or like, not funniest, but, like, one of the things I, like, got big laughs out of all my nerd friends in high school is that I ripped Attack of the Clones apart on a regular basis. Yeah. 
You know, like to this day, it is the only Star Wars movie that I'm just kind of like, eh, about. I get that people love it. And to this day, you know, like I, I can criticize it and I can talk about it and I can make fun of it because movies can be made fun of. I will never take it to the place of raw, raw, Hayden Christensen, kill yourself type of thing because I am not a lunatic. And mm-hmm. it's that it is this it is this toxic nostalgia where so many of the people who felt in some weird way violated by the, the prequel trilogy desire this like reclamation that George Lucas is taking away what he gave to them. Yeah. And that, and that, and that, and that the culture is shifting and it's different now and it's bad because it's different. Again, these are those primers like that mentality of different equals bad. Mino like different is such like it is you've skipped so many steps for the people who want to infiltrate and kind of twist the minds of those people. Like the weird, like again, this weird entitlement of uh, where they were talking about people who hate these movies, but their walls are covered in like action figures on pegs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're like, I, I, the fan am tired of being exploited where it is a very entitled mentality of this thing is meant to work for me. And because I do not like everything about its current state, because it has changed in some way, even if it hasn't changed that much, it's different and therefore bad. And right. I refute the new thing. And what does that, that speak to, right? That speaks to so many of the same insecurities that get preyed upon down the road when it becomes very serious and socially impactful and socially harmful, um, societally harmful. Because that, where does that entitlement come from? It comes from the fact that you latched onto this thing and you made it not just a part of what makes you happy, but a part of what makes you feel valid. And when that is threatened is when people become wounded animals back into a corner. The most vicious, the most uh, afraid. Um, we could go on and on all day. I'm not going to do that about the the ironies of how the the struggles that these people are really expressing when they talk about their exploitation or some of the struggles that star Wars would explain to them if they just listened. Um, But there's a huge entitlement factor wrapped up in an idea of, I need it to be the way it was when I discovered it because I refuse to change. It's a fear of change and also a refusal um, to open themselves up to change. Exactly. Exactly. And again, that is a, that is a mentality that is just so plump. Like it's, 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 it's kind of terrifying. Like, like looking back at this where I'm, you know, knowing what I know now in the year of 2022, watching this documentary, you know, again, with these very specific examples and I, and I, I tackle the people versus George Lucas because it is built on, um, it is, it is built on the entitlement of fandom. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, you know, we said we weren't going to be trying to at people specifically, uh, but like, but it's a useful example. Creators, I don't even say creators like it is Doomcock. If you mm-hmm. watch his content, and I discovered him around the Rise of Skywalker coming out, his whole bit of without respect we reject, in talking about how until the canon is rectified until we are culturally 
given back what belongs to us, we must at every step of the road deny, 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 deny the validity of the new thing. Like there is very... There is very Richard Spencer-y language, mm -hmm. very Lauren Southern-y language, where like ab about new things yeah. and how they like shatter the canon and all of these things where he taught where like he so frequently talks about like the cultural importance of things and how by in by injecting woke SJW politics into it, you've inherently like sullied it. Now, of course, again, we're not going to get into the irony of, you know, return like the Ewoks or the Viet Cong. Like, we're not even going to touch yeah. that. Like, that's, yeah. you know, that, that's beside the point. And just one of those things where, like, like save that for when you're arguing with a Doomcock. Sure. The and our, our list, our combined listenership are the people that know that and do. So, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, but it, it's stuff like that where that language you see in, you see before the and there's there's definitely you know some political undertones here with like the prequel hate and you know yeah. whatever but not it's 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 not at its core a like refutation of this thing for its quote unquote politics and it doesn't go and it doesn't slowly like the sequel trilogy hate start as you know like here's this list of like prequel hatey soundy things that by the time we get to the last jedi it is all about it's feminist it's woke it's this it's that we're like we're 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 attacking it for the women that are in the movie we're attacking it for all of these reasons that wasn't here with the prequel era but the language that's used can slowly metastasize on a cultural level level to things like give us our culture back this very very nebulous hour i don't know who the in group is uh, but I certainly know that the out group is meant to be SJWs, whatever the hell that means. Yeah. And that's the thing is that who's the in group uh, undefined? Who are the out group? SJW. What does that mean? Also undefined because it, it's, yeah, they are applicable to whatever situation. But I mean, he, and it's, that strategic, it's that strategic vagueness that you know exactly what either of them means though. Yes. But yes. it's malleable situationally. Of course, yeah. and that's you know we'll get to that in, in in the later section about about the the gamergate movement of another five the, years. Yeah, the the, <laughs> the the malleability of them being able to say, "Well, hold on a second, you know that we're talking about ethics," and that, and it's like, but we all know you're not. But you've created enough of a goalpost. The goalpost is moving, but it's it's inching across the field. Um. It, it the what's acceptable, what's considered um, out of line, is all so amorphous, and that's where the danger of this all comes from. And and you know this this section, um, this opening section about those early days, it laid the groundwork in so many fundamentally awful ways. There's so many elements from this prequel era special editions to prequel era that have still not been solved. It created obsessions with things like canon that have been weaponized. It created obsessions with things like 
changes that have been weaponized. I mean, again, these are things that could be their own videos that I'm not going to spend forever unpacking, but you could draw direct lines from the special editions all the way to our current obsession with um, needing to be insiders and needing to like, there's a direct line between special edition entitlement and like Snyder cut stuff, direct line. Um, You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. George Lucas introduced people to the process. And that was a double-edged sword because it inspired a generation, but it also made a generation think that they knew better. He was the first person that, not that no one had ever had. I mean, you could find behind-the-scenes content back in the day, but you had to be a super nerd. Ask any older nerd in your friend group, how did, how did you learn about special effects back then? It's like you had to go to the library and hope that they had a certain magazine about a certain thing. Like George was the one that, opened the door and said, this is ILM. This is what we do. Yes, I'm making changes. I'm going to re-release them. I'm going to give them their own trailer. See it again for the first time. And nowadays, something comes out, Love and Thunder being the most recent example, and people are already, where are the missing scenes? Where are the scenes that I know you shot? And that anger becomes, again, much like a Mary Sue thing, it's things that just seem like, it's just a fandom conversation. Just a fandom conversation until it's not until it becomes the type of entitlement that can be weaponized until it's very much aggressively not. And again, like the, the proclivity that the star Wars fandom has to lose its mind all the time. Like it's unparalleled. It's un. I don't know of another (laughs) fandom that, that, turns on a dime this quickly all the time yep. i don't i don't the only recent comparison is the snyder cult stuff yep which again the internal politics of Zack snyder is its own conversation yeah maggie mayfish did it better than we ever will god um, bless her yep a blesser indeed uh but yeah i think we royal we alden and i listener viewer whatever like you understand like we we as a fandom have a problem with not getting what we want. And it predisposed a sense of self-importance, a sense of entitlement, a sense of validity and raging against those who made the thing for you uh, that will become very important later into this discussion uh, and about how these things kind of take on a life of their own in the worst way possible. Yep. This sets the stage for the next big wave of nerd culture losing its damn mind. Um, obviously society kind of you know continues past star wars we kind of enter the the second dark times um the star wars fandom isn't like the biggest thing on the planet these days uh but the internet certainly has taken on a life of its own by now and we get into uh what is the first real alt-right movement under the guise of nerds doing nerd stuff we've alluded to gamergate so far a few times um the next part of this is going to be delving into uh gamergate itself 
uh, I have a very long timeline written out uh, to kind of like hear the no- here like because we talk about Gamergate in like kind of like little G little G Gamergate. Yeah. <laughs> it's just kind of like shorthand for nerds going crazy and attacking people. Um, but I think going through Gamergate kind of like by the minute is yeah. going to be important because we will see the similarities it has with the prequel backlash and the sequel backlash and how interaction with these factions online is emulated there as well. And then we can talk about Ben basically bring it home in part two with a, this is what we learned. Uh, right. So all of that is going to be in part two. That'll be um, part two. And I will also note before we jump to our, uh, again, as a co-production, you're going to hear, depending on what edition you're listening to, you'll hear two different uh, endings coming up here with two different sets of plugs and everything. But I will also note on that dark times note, it made me think it's important to, to send ourselves back there before we get to part two. So if you're finishing up part one with us, I really want you to imagine post 2005, uh, that decade between 2005 and 2015. I want everyone to really try to get back into it as much as they can, because there's one defining aspect uh, that became the ultimate double-edged sword for that entire 10 years, whether it's things like the birth of the MCU, whether that's things like, uh, I mean, we had the birth of that, you know, of Nolan's trilogy in the same year as Revenge of the Sith, but then 2008 Dark Knight, it becomes the, the biggest thing ever. Um, nerd television starts to take off. That's the decade when nerds won. The nerds, like nerd stuff became the dominant force of everything. And that is both the best thing that ever happened for so many of us, but also the breeding ground, uh, the dominance of it beyond things that were like riding the line of nerd, like lost and stuff like that. This was when, oh my goodness, a fantasy show is the biggest show on earth. Oh, wow. Oh, you know, suddenly, uh, oh, Star Trek is back. J.J. Abrams brought Star Trek back and it's and it's huge and it's sexy and everyone loves it. Oh, my God, a Batman thing could win Oscars and then does all of that bringing everything to the grand stage. is not Nothing's niche anymore in that decade. Remember that change. Remember how good it felt and also remember how that goodness correlates with equal Batman. Powerful light, powerful dark. Don't quote that movie. It's political. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, from this point, you'll hear from either me or Alden in the future. So I throw to you, future selves. Hello again, everyone. Uh, it's me again in the future or the present or the past, depending on when you listen to this. But it's me here at the end, post-episode. Thank you so much for listening to part one of this discussion that we're proud of and that we think is very um, important and, and necessary. And we hope that other people start to have these kinds of conversations. Again, this is only the end of part one. Part two will also be available, which is going to take us way more into the present and explore some other nuances and topics and, and movements within this this ideological tree of topics and, and whatnot. So thank you so much again. For listening uh, here on the Octo Radio side of things, go check out uh, the video version if you'd like. If you're going to send it around, that option is also available. That's over on the Nerd Academy Podcast's YouTube channel um, with Jared. Thank you again, uh, Jared, so much for sharing the uh, digital broadcast booth with me 
for this uh, really just disheartening but also heartening conversation. There's a lot to confront, but there's a lot of hope, I think, in breaking things down. So I really appreciate you all being here with us. Uh, for this show, you can find me personally at that Alden Diaz, T-H-A-T-A-L-D-E-N-D-I-A-Z. That's on Twitter and Instagram. You can find this show, Octo Radio, Star Wars Podcast, everywhere you get your podcasts, A-H-C-H-T-O Radio, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. You can find that on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. If you're there, you want to leave reviews, leave stars, it'd be very much appreciated. Help us fight the algorithms. And then if you scroll down into our description, you can find links to a few different causes. We have some stuff. Uh, the What Choice Initiative there for reproductive rights in the wake of the decision on Roe v. Wade, something that we are very passionate about here in terms of standing with all persons uh, that can become pregnant and that would be affected by the war on body autonomy that is being launched in this country. So what choice is there? We have Blackout Star Wars Eclipse down there, different fundraisers, different links and resources for you to check out. Uh, and then as for this, uh, again, stay tuned for part two. Um, we're very pleased with the way that both parts of this conversation went, and there's going to be stuff um, that we're going to need to that we're going to need to unpack more. But you know, for this for this journey, we really appreciate um, the way it went, and we appreciate you being here. Oh, last thing I forgot to mention: we also have the Amadala Initiative down in the description, uh, benefiting uh, Equality Texas. So the GoFundMe page is there. Of course, trans rights or human rights, something that is non-negotiable. And, you know, to tie all of those things in, whether it's the fight for reproductive rights for women and persons that can become pregnant, trans rights, Blackout Star Wars Eclipse, supporting the LGBTQA plus community. All of these are groups that have been targeted by hate. And if we can unpack that and expose a little bit of that and stand with them, then we'll be in a better place than we have been at least a little bit at a time. So for right now, thanks so much for being here. I'm your host, as always, Alden Diaz, and we'll catch you on part two right here on Octo Radio. Punch it, Chewie!